Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up, a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! You're exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by Ars Soner, which is available on the free music archive for those interested. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello! And Julia. Hey! And yes, this means that Gretchen survived South Africa and didn't get killed by a hippo like we had been worried about. (laughs) We were so worried. No, I was, I mean, I saw hippos, but I was not very close to them. So yeah. we just we just were like all terrified of that specifically. <laughs> like, hippos are hippos are really scary. Anyway, the three of us write for the website thefundamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis, which is basically what you got on the label, news reviews, you know, geeky media conversations, yada yada yada. All right, so today. We are going to be talking first about fandom news, as we always do, and then when we get into it, we're going to be chatting a bit about, you know, it's kind of like our summer break, it's June, we're going to get into what sort of things we're doing to survive the summer, and we're going to then close it out by talking about some nostalgic things, what we used to enjoy as young baby geeks. (laughs) Uh, So that's our show for today. Uh, Who wants to kick it off with some news? Uh, I mean, I can kick it off. I would would love that. What will be this coming Friday, by the time you're listening to this, uh, June 9th, uh, Winona Earp is starting, so, oh my yay! God. Relevant to Surviving the Summer, um, for those of you who don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great show. Um, for those of you who don't know I Winona Earp, I don't know why you wouldn't know this, like, we write about it. Um, yeah. but if you don't, Winona Earp is a sci-fi, western, supernatural TV show focused on Winona Earp. Duh. Who is the heir <laughs> of Wyatt Earp? Um, yes, the Wyatt Earp, and she kills demons with it was magic. Apparently, yes. Yeah. Well, he has a magic gun that kills demons. Peace so, of course, yes. Peacemaker kills demons. Peacemaker, yes. Yep, yep. Um, it's an awesome show. You should watch it. So yeah, it starts Friday. I'm going to be reviewing it. I'm so excited. And by the way, if that pitch didn't uh, get you excited in any way because like that premise to me i'm like um no thanks it is campy and it feels kind of like xena a little bit in tone yeah and they shot a lesbian but she was wearing a bulletproof vest oh my God. right <laughs> yeah that right? was hilarious yeah and apparently they didn't do it on purpose no they didn't like the writer like the um the head writer just said like well like she's a cop why wouldn't she be wearing a bulletproof vest Duh. Yeah, and it's funny because it seemed like it was calling it out because she's like well it kind of seemed like a good idea to wear one right <laughs> but no it, it seems like such a huge middle finger to the spring slaughter um it wasn't intentional but it's great as like an unintentional middle finger yeah, and it's just it's just a fun show, and the main relationship are two sisters, and that yes. is the bee's knees. Yeah, Winona and Waverly, and they're awesome. All right, also in the news of... Wait, I can't think of a transition for this. Okay, speaking of lesbians with bulletproof vests, they also sometimes wear sneakers, like <laughs> Converse. Well, they have to be comfortable when they march in the pipe. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the Converse Pride Collection is out, which is apparently <laughs> a lot of people get into that. I can't wear Converse because I have bunions, but Aww. other people can. <laughs> Some people actually lift weights in Converse, which I don't understand. Oh my god. That seems like one of the worst pairs of shoes you could wear to work out in any I form. don't know. I'm more, I'm more of a Vans kind of girl. Oh. Yep. Yeah. I like my Metcons. Either I way. only recently just got into Converse, so... Okay. Well, that's very queer of you. It is very queer of me. I mean, that would have made a good transition. Speaking of queer things, Converse yeah. Pride. Um, <laughs> my son had little baby Converse when he was a baby, and they were a bitch to get on. Oh, I believe it. Oh, my it. God. Oh, they look so adorable. <laughs> They're pretty classy. Anyway, so you got, you got a pair? Are they, like, rainbow unicorny? Um, well, like I use the customizer, so, like, the the main part of it is black, and then the tongue has rainbows on it, and then, like, the, the rubber sole is a rainbow. So, cool. they're, like, kind of normal looking with, like, a pride flare. <laughs> so I can wear them with lots of things. That's good, though. That's nice and versatile. Yes. Yes. Anyway, um, other news. <laughs> No, that's um, it. Just, just speaking yeah. of other super queer things, Steven Universe. Right, exactly. Yeah, We're just okay. on a roll here. Great segue. Yeah. Um, Steven Universe. Gay. Gay. Well, I mean, are we all that disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned this a couple, um, I don't remember which episode it was, but we've mentioned this before that there's a Steven Universe game coming out. Uh, it's their console game. It's called Save the Light. Um, apparently people have been previewing it. There are a couple of websites out there that have, like, um, write-ups about, like, game mechanics and how the game has been playing. So, it's pretty close to being released. It should be released later this summer. Um, and apparently it's going to connect to the show mythology, um, about Homeworld and gems and stuff. So, that'll be cool. Oh. About gems and stuff. Oh. (laughs) I didn't know if it was going to connect to the show or not, because I have a little bit of scarring from the Legend of Korra game that supposedly connects to the show but i just as a fanfic writer i can't do it because basically it means that she just had this fucking crazy week in between books two and books three where like this i don't even know it's like an equalist light comes back in the middle of it (laughs) there's literally only two weeks in between these two seasons and she's supposed to be dealing with like all the vines that just grew but then like then she and janora like go on this field trip to take care of this guy well not a field trip it's in republic city but it's just like my brain can't accept it so i'm like no i don't care what it connects to <laughs> so i mean we'll Wasn't have to a lost game or what a lost game there was a lost uh, video game oh lost was there what on earth would <laughs> would have warranted that it was about the hatch i think that was like back oh. to oh i feel God. like that could be like a mist style game potentially yeah oh yeah i loved mist man that was such a good game it was such a good game i mean we can talk about that more later in our nostalgia (laughs) we can i used to play that a ton all right yeah but yeah that that sounds cool of steven universe apparently they just had an amazing episode that just aired too which i haven't seen yet so yeah i haven't seen it either i I, like edited the review uh, so i know what happens guys it's so good I mean, I have some mixed feelings about certain elements of it, but we can talk about that on a, on a future episode. I've been obsessed with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I can't stop watching it. <laughs> if you would freaking catch up with Black Sails like we've asked you to, we could have a bow on, I, I, and then we could also talk about Steven Universe. I have to finish watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend first, apparently. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that logic, but... Fine. <laughs> There's songs. Ugh. Yeah, she's right. It's freaking awesome. Speaking of TV shows we like... 
Oh, yeah. Super, well, mm, Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Supergirl. Oh, I just did, oh. It's You're a, going through a rough patch. Yeah. It's it's very book two Korra, but not with book two Korra's ending. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just not feeling particularly uplifted lately. But uh, one good piece of news is that Odette Annabelle was cast as Rain, the main villain for Supergirl season three. Um, Corey is actually going to be writing a piece on Wednesday. So look for that in a couple days on the site about why this is an awesome idea. And apparently she was going to write it even before this was announced. <laughs> Right, yeah, like, she was gonna write about how it, like, it needed to be rain, that, like, the baby that they revealed at the end of the season, um, like, why it should be rain, and they just announced today, which is, you know, last Wednesday for you guys, but Wednesday for when we're talking about this, they announced that, um, it's gonna be rain, so, Corey's still writing about it, (laughs) and about why it's awesome. I don't know. Rain makes me think of that TV show about Mary Queen of Scots that's, like, the least (laughs) historically accurate thing ever. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really don't know enough about Supergirl uh, comics to be able to comment much on what Rain will do. But there's a couple other pieces of news regarding season three. The first is that um, Floriana Lima is not going to be returning as a regular. Yep, she's just uh, recurring. She's a recurring role. Um, and I believe that was the actor was under the impression her role might have only been one season. It, it was like a work conflict kind of thing. Um, so some people are a little concerned about, like, where that puts Sanvers, you know, I, I don't see that really being broken up or anything, but. Yeah, they're not going to break up. No, like, at, at worst, at worst, Maggie's like, I've got to go work in Met- in Metropolis for a little bit, so I'll yeah, be that back. Was, that was my thinking, because that happened, like, in the Batwoman comics, which are, I mean, not that they're being accurate, but anyway, like, Maggie in the comics has a stint in Metropolis for a while, so I could see them going that oh, route. Oh, well. Well, that Maggie is, like, a Metropolis character. She's more of a Superman character than right. anything else. Um, this Maggie is more closely based on Renee Montoya, right. from what I can tell. Right. Um, so it's kind of like mixing things, but it's a little bit funny in some ways because the Maggie Sawyer of the comics, who is not very much like her, was supposed to be married to Kate Kane, but mm-hmm. then they just, like, canceled it and they said, you're not allowed to do that because we're not having superhero marriages. So it would just it'd be, it, I mean, not funny, but like. Well, it's nice that they wouldn't let it happen because there's no marriage as opposed to the whole being gay. Thing. Yeah, well, there's speculation that was part of it, but I don't think, I don't actually think so. But I, it, on, on some level, it's a little like, will Maggie Sawyer, you know, the monolith, have two marriages taken away from her? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I actually don't Maggie. think that would be the case for, for Supergirl. I think it's going to be a holding pattern. Right. Which I, I actually am not, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think that having a marriage this soon might be a little bit rushed. Yeah, um, and I actually think it's it's good to have Alex in a relationship, but we see her develop, like, outside of that still, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I kind of think I would like more parsimonious use of Maggie, uh, to be honest, in, in a lot of ways. I'm not sure you're allowed to say that, but okay. <laughs> well, she- I mean... I, I think, care about you. I, I want to say. <laughs> I, I think I've I've actually been pretty vocal that like Maggie, how they scripted, she just doesn't work for me as a character. She started out working and then got progressively less like anything to me. So, um, and people have actually been kind of receptive to it. So, okay. yeah, but I also worded in a very like, this is my takeaway and it's cool mm-hmm. if you like her. So right. I try, I try not to be a jerk. Um, 
Speaking of jerks, though, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the, the other, the last piece of Supergirl news, and like, like, there's crazy speculation. We really don't know enough to know anything. But Allie Adler was not mentioned on the description for season three. Is that right, Gretchen? Yeah, the CW released their like official like description for season three, and Allie Adler, who is one of the like co-creators and co-executive producers, or has been for the last two seasons, um, is not given any mention as being involved, which, like, could mean something, could not mean something. We just don't, there's not enough information yet. Um, there's not. Um, we can point to social media behavior a little bit and speculate, but it's, uh, it's not a good look. No, it, I mean, it's one of those things that is, like, potentially telling. But I have to say, her name sounds like she's from a comic book. She does, right? Right? Yeah, Maybe yeah. Allie Adler will be the villain of season three. No. <laughs> No, that sounds, I mean, cause, well, they do the whole, like, you know, um, same initial shit with the Superman, Supergirl universe, like, all the time. Yeah. And no, actually, like, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, like, it's, I mean, it's very much like a comic book thing. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like a character. It doesn't sound like a real name. <laughs> Allie Adler. Allie oh, that's her awesome. real name. Al- I think her name is Allison, which sounds even more like a comic book character. Allison Adler. Allison Adler. <laughs> she- um, she has the superpower of levitation. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll stop. Um, okay, so, so hopefully it's not anything to be concerned about, but clarity would be nice. Yep. So we'll just be keeping our eye on that. Um, in the meantime, I'm kind of excited for Supergirl season three, not because I'm necessarily like, yeah, what an awesome, perfect show anymore, because I, I think there's a lot of deep flaws with it. But this is when I find shows to be fascinating. How do you pull out of that? And right. Where do you go from here? Is it just going to keep being like this thing? Or is it like, you know, I, I just find the evolution of show writing very interesting. So right. intellectually, I'm engaged. So that's all I need. <laughs> it's true. Are you emotionally like... Dramatically said. to be an emotional <laughs> I'm emotionally series? engaged with Lena Luther. Okay. Because yeah. I'm projecting things on her, so. And she's just yeah. an amazing character. She's going to be a regular, obviously, and Katie McGrath just has such a strength of screen presence. She really does. Um, it's, it's just kind of hard to look away. It's, it's kind of like a June Diane Raphael in Burning Love. You just, you are drawn to her. Mm. And everything she does is perfect. So. Yeah. True. Speaking of perfect women in media, uh, Apparently, Wonder Woman is like the greatest thing since the Dark Knight. We don't know; it's not out yet for us because we're recording on Wednesday. But it's out for yeah. you guys. No, but like everyone loves it. Apparently, yeah. Okay, uh, the critics love it so far. Well, the critics like Game of Thrones, right? And the critics also like loved Beauty and the Beast, the reboot. Did they? Yeah, I do really enjoy how like seeing that it has like i think like a 95 or 96 on rotten tomatoes yeah and that when you was compare that with like the last two dc movies like it's amazing <laughs> i do it, really it looks, enjoy that it looks really good i'm just in such like anxiety i'll believe it when i see it mode <laughs> totally i am and you know obviously julia and i have reasons to be a little bit cynical of the critic industry <laughs> yeah well i mean it happens with um but- yeah, like IGN, I think gave it like a seven out of ten, or someone said that to me earlier, and I was like, "Yeah, well, but like IGN likes the hundred, so <laughs> right like, critics like the hundred, so I don't entirely like trust, yeah, like the media machine all the time, just like you guys with Game of Thrones." 
at the same yeah. time, they do have a lot of comic book movies to specifically compare it to. So it's not right. like it's its, its own genre doing something, you know, create it, like it, it's a it's a superhero movie. And we have so many Marvels out to compare it to. We've also got the hot mess that is, you know, the past two DC movies, basically. Mm-hmm. So or three. Yeah. And yeah. The one like everybody seemed to agree that the one good thing about Batman was Superman was one. Yes. Right. Yes. And possibly another story on the cutting room floor. But yes. <laughs> DC yeah, just has that problem too much. I hope to treat myself. I'm thinking I might treat myself to like a self-care day, maybe on Friday and go see Wonder Woman. I love going to movies alone. Can I just say? That's one of my favorite things to do. I've never really done it before. But like the other great thing is in Wisconsin, like in Wisconsin, a bunch of like movie theaters like serve alcohol. So I might just like get, yeah, it's amazing. Like get myself some wine and watch Wonder Woman in the theater. It just sounds amazing to me. I have to bring it in in my purse in a, in a Coke can. (laughs) I don't do that. Uh, what no who does that <laughs> last piece of news and then we have to move on <laughs> oh my gosh there's gonna be a reboot of the animaniacs apparently what? yep what what no, ne- no network news yet but what what yeah like they're looking into it like there's no news on like what network it would show on or anything yet but yeah i hope everyone has the same reaction we do and it's just like what why would you do that because they're rebooting everything nostalgia Are people out of ideas Apparently, I mean, why not just like rerun, just replay? I think, I think from what I remember, like it was the set, like I didn't even realize this Animaniacs is on Netflix. Um, and it's been really popular. And so that's what's prompted this, like, let's reboot it because everyone is watching it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I realized I've rewatched some stuff from it that like there was a bunch of stuff that went way over my head as a child. Yeah. There's like a lot of very. (laughs) As they call it, adult humor. Well, not just that, like the, the politics. Like a lot of the political stuff went like way over my head. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, that's I think why Spongebob has such a dear place in my heart because it came out when I was in like fifth or sixth grade and I was just old enough to start to get every single messed up thing that they did in that. Mm. And it was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, I'll be very curious to see what it's like when it comes back. That sounds, I, I'll check it out. Why not? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. awesome. Sounds interesting. <laughs> like intriguing enough that I want to at least keep my eye out for it. Yes. I still don't know why they're doing it. But... <laughs> <laughs> the power of nostalgia, uh, I think. And with that, oh, damn, with that, we're not transitioning into nostalgia. We're transitioning into our other. That would have been perfect, but too bad. I so mean, we could order- change it. Do you no, we could do the nostalgia no, no, now? No, 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 I no, mean, no, no, we do run this podcast. We can kind of do whatever we want. We have a plan. We're sticking to it. Cue the transition music. You okay, baby girl? All right. For segment one, it's getting warmer out. Maybe some weird stuff's going on on the East Coast. But- oh my god, it's so weird. I mean, like it's like raining and sunny at the same time, and it's been <laughs> yeah. like that for like three days now. I'm so confused. Well, it was really strange here because it there were two days in a row where it was like 89 to 90, and so it was I don't know what that means. summer, summer, summer weather. Joy, it's like summer weather, okay. and then it just got back down and was like 60s and raining again. And I'm looking at the extended forecast, and nothing is even getting over 75, and that's an anomaly. Like, what? Where? Where am I? 32, 32 Celsius, Julia. 32. Yeah, like, 32. there was one day when it was like 27, and I had to run like three kilometers and like it was really bad and i got it for all the americans 27 is like 80 so yeah i don't know why americans would listen to our podcast <laughs> well 
you can just do the double add 30 and you get a close estimation. That's what I do when I talk to Julia. But anyway, ignoring that, the point is it's summer whether the weather is agreeing with us or not. Uh, and there's a summer hiatus of TV shows other than like, you know, the summer yeah. shows that come back on. Ugh. Um, so, so what? It's very hard to schedule things when there are no shows. Yeah, yeah I know. It's horrible. I know, but I thought it'd be a good time to talk about, like, you know, a lot of people are sort of off school or, you know, just longer days, more stuff that you can or want to do. But what is it that you're going to be doing when all these wonderful shows have gone away and the summer movies are basically all just smashy action things? Um, Watch the smashy action thing. What? Okay, I'm going to watch the smashy action thing. I don't like that that much. No, it just doesn't do anything. But the point is, let's talk about what we're going to do to chat the summer hiatus and what we've been doing. Uh, All right. So let's start with Gretchen. Well, I mean, I'm going to be watching and reviewing Winona Earp. So yes. that'll give me something to enjoy and look forward to. I mean, and that's for the site. So, but like yeah. personally, um, like, yeah, we can talk. So I can just, we'll start with that. I'm going to be doing that. So, I mean, what <laughs> other summer shows are there? There's a lot of new... Sh- there's actually a lot of sci-fi shows. Um, what other shows are there? Huh? I don't... There's one that I'm like, oh, right. kind of yeah. thinking of. Maybe uh. there's a show? It's like mid-July it comes back or something. Isn't it about like a thing of nouns? Uh, yes. It's about a storm of... No, I, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones is coming back in a month and a half. And Julie and I are going oh to be... Oh my god, no! Julie and I are not. going to be very busy. Ugh. <sighs> We'll actually be podcasting every week. Yeah. In unabashed book snobbery. Yeah, we're going to do uh, live vlogs. We are. Uh, we're going to have someone recapping it. We need to figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. It might even be me. Who knows? We'll just, th- we'll talk about no, it. No, it's not no, going to be you. It shouldn't you be you. <laughs> you don't have time, Kylie. You're not allowed. I d- who needs sleep? You need sleep. Human beings. Right. Mm. Yes. But um, that is definitely going to take over the conversations yes. of everyone in the geeky space. I have to say, though, I'm kind of excited because I forgot how much fun Snark is. Yeah. But like, I don't. Every year around this time, we have this like kind of like navel gazy conversation where we're like, "What will we do if it's good?" <laughs> Like, do I'm we sorry. have the integrity to admit it if it's good? We do, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, uh, yeah, I think we do. Remember when we almost liked Yara for an episode last year? That's true. Yeah. And we're like, this is almost something. No, it went away. I know, but like some people like really like took that love of that particular scene a little too far. So it was kind of easy not to get carried away. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's just gonna be a thing. Uh, if you wanna listen to us blather about this stuff more, subscribe to Unabashed Book Snobbery on, on a podcast. It's in the apps, stores, and, and iTunes. <laughs> we'll try to stay there. Um, I actually try to do summer reading. Mm-hmm. Because I realized I haven't been reading books. Like, I've just been reading a lot of comics or rereading A Song of Ice and Fire, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I just keep rereading it, so it's a problem. So I actually bought myself two books, like book books. They're not even nerdy books, necessarily. So one is by Billy Bragg. It's called The Progressive Patriot, A Search for Belonging. And it's very, um, it gets at the idea of what does it mean to be, like, English or British? Like, what do these borders mean? What does it mean to be a patriot? And it's kind of very, um transgressive about that. I like how you used two that overlap in a very complicated way. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this guy's, I think, from England, so I think he has... Yeah. Is he from England or is he from Britain? Uh, Billy yeah. Bright? I don't know, dude. Exactly. <laughs> I know, there was this, like, um, there was this package of English crumpets at Lavla's once, and in French, they called them British crumpets. Ooh. But in English, it said English crumpets, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Anyway, I also plan to read the summer. Um, yeah, what are you reading? There's this series of historical mysteries that I've been, like, dabbing in for the past couple of years that I want to get through the whole series. It's called The Lady Emily Mysteries. It's about this, like, Victorian lady who solves mysteries in, like, oh the 1890s. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so cool. And, like, she travels around and she's, like, a secret agent and she marries this hot guy who's also a secret agent and they solve murders. And but and she's like really into fashion and stuff, and she has this like horrible mother who's probably borderline. You would love her. Uh, oh my god! You sound yeah, amazing. I, yes, I, I want to finish. Okay, never mind. That That's going to be my second book. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I'm in the middle of is um, they're in Constantinople, and there's a murder in the harem, and she's the Ooh. only one who can go solve the murder because nobody else could go into the harem. And, like, there's all this stuff. And I'm, like, I've been, like, at the climax for, like, two weeks. I just haven't had time to actually finish the book. And I think it was the guy who, like, because there was this whole thing where they're, like, on the Orient Express and somebody gets poisoned. Oh, my God. And, like, yeah, it's so cool. And there was, like, they're, like, Bedouins, like, snatching people. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. Okay. This actually sounds amazing. Like, that's ridiculous. (laughs) And also... But, like, a thing that I'm thinking of doing is making a list of, like, kind of, like, sci-fi canon books. Because Mm. I feel like there's, like, this gap in my experience with, like, science fiction literature. Like, there's there's things that I've read, but there's also a bunch of stuff that I haven't even touched, and I want to fix that. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And I think summer's the perfect time for it because the sun hasn't set... Well, yeah. for me, it's it's like the sun hasn't set so I can eat my dinner and read it without turning on a light that's going to bother yeah, me. Yeah, summer for me, like, you know, I don't work during the summer. So there's a lot of, like, riding around on public transportation and sitting around at the park while my kid plays. Right. And, like, <laughs> just, like, being outside and things like that. So there's there's usually lots of reading time. That's really nice. So. In, it, in its own way. Yeah, I have, we have a Zoom membership. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. We, I have a whole list of... um. I made a commitment this year that I wasn't going to read any fiction that was not by women or people of color. Huh. How um, did that go? So no Song of Ice and Fire for you. No. Can't read. I can't read it. I mean, I can listen yeah, to it. Yeah, being like read like Santa Claus isn't. What if Winds of Winter comes out in December? Oh, shit. Um, I may have to <laughs> violate that. Early then. December or late December? <laughs> no, early. Or November. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I may have to violate that. That would be my one and only exception. Um... Yeah. So yeah, I have like a list of um I got a list of resources from other people. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, I have like a recommendation list that I am slowly, slowly working my oh, way through. Dude, speaking of recommendation, I'm going to make myself read Bloodlines. Like I should probably do that yes, next. I've been meaning should. to do that. Like so what is good. wrong with me? Dutiful Princess Leia, thank you. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The other I mean the other thing I use summer for is like catching up on shows that I could not watch during the yes. year because I too many other things. Yes. <clears throat> um, like I'm finishing Into the Badlands, and I can't remember what's next. I have it written down somewhere, but like <laughs> I have a whole list of like things that I need to to engage in. So, yep. 
Yeah, I I know that there are shows I should watch, but then every time I go to... There's something about, like, unless I'm already into a show, I'm just like, ugh, don't make me do this. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I'm really into a show and I still can't get myself to finish it for some reason. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, even when you have, like, your friends telling you to do that every day or something like that. Right, like maybe a show like Black Sails. Oh, yeah, thanks mm. for explaining the joke there, Chris. <sighs> I appreciate it. And now you killed it. No. <laughs> exactly. Oh, actually, listeners of this podcast will be relieved that if I finally finish my one Cora fanfiction, which that's almost done, I will also be taking this summer to write a Carmen Sandiego fanfic in full oh, form. Yes. Awesome. I have it completely plotted out. It's going to be hard-boiled stuff. Stupid, exaggerated noir spy, like just Everything Raymond Chandler would... on steroids. Just that much camp, yeah. I'm gonna be flying a bunch this summer, so I love to write fan fiction on the plane. I actually don't like to read on planes, but I bring my iPad and I write. You might not fiction. be able to bring any computers on the plane, though. I know, and then right. I'll have to get back to reading, which is like. <sighs> well, just buy like a Bluetooth, like buy like a keyboard and type on your phone. Are you allowed oh. to bring your phone? Yeah. yeah. It's anything, you can't bring anything, well, the idea is you can't bring anything larger than a phone. Yeah. Did you bring, like, a Kindle? No, that's larger than a phone. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I hadn't thought about Kindles. So, yeah, just get, like, a key, just get a keyboard that can attach your phone and type on that. Draconian. That's what I've been thinking of doing. Crap, yeah. Um, cause I am going to be working, I'm going to be working on my novel. That's the other thing I'm going to be a- doing this summer. That's actually a really, really, really smart idea, Gretchen. I'm glad I talked to you because I've got a flight, like, in two weeks and, yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do, like, you can look into something new, like, there's a, I'm going to be doing, not for the Fundamentalist, or for the Fundamentals, but for my own website, I'm going to be doing, talking about a web series, like a web comic, actually not a web series, like a web comic. So, cool. summer is, like, a good time, I think, to engage in, like, independent art and media, like web series or web comics, things like that, because, um... Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them are less time sensitive than, like, your, your big, like, blockbuster TV shows. Um, yeah, and you no, can people knock always a lot complain of about out. like summer hiatuses, but like we're Song of Ice and Fire fans. <laughs> like, <laughs> do not talk to us about hiatuses. Yeah, yeah right. Like we know, <laughs> we we feel it deeply. Yeah, uh, when will when will Winds of Winter come out? I don't like. I'm gonna have to start uh, running like Ariander Spick or something. Like, does I need new content? It's getting oh my bad. God, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, the speculation and the theories is just, it's getting to be too much. We need new content. That's actually a good point, because, like, one of the things about Summer 2 is that, like, you really want to stay engaged with these shows, or Mm -hmm. in our case, this book series, but, like, how do you stay interested without becoming either super obsessive or, like, combative with other people? Like, what do you do? Right, because, like, people get, I think part of it is people get bored, and there's only so much, like, there's no new content, so people just start getting, like, yeah, either, like, in the weeds, weeds, like, you, way in the weeds. Are, Kylie's probably yeah. too young, but do well, you remember, Gretchen, the gap in between Harry Potter number four and Harry Potter number five? Yes, I do. Excuse me, I'm not too young, that's what I was reading them. <laughs> I know, it was way too long, and, like, the fanfic got so weird. Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, the, you know, actually, fanfic, I think, is one of the better ways to fill that so that you're not becoming oddly bellicose in the fandom. Because yeah, at least true. it's just you picking your engagement. It takes time and planning, usually. Um, and it allows you to sort of get in the weeds, Gretchen, like you were saying, but... You know, the weeds of your own choosing. Right. 
Not like theory weeds. Right. Because theory crafting gets <sighs> insane. Really yeah, I mean, we have our own kind of tastes when it comes to theories. But, like, I think, like, that yeah. way just runs madness. Right. All the time with the yeah. theories. And, like, they're, like, I learned that during that Harry Potter hiatus. Your theories will never be right. Ever. No matter yes. how elaborate they are, well, they would never be right. You know what's interesting, too, is that there's some shows that, like, have so many theory crafters, I can't do it. Mm. Like, Steven Universe, I cannot make a single theory about it. I no. just cannot do it. I don't. It's not even that I don't care. It's just there's so much of a saturation of it. I'm like, nope. So my way of singing Engage with Steven Universe is just singing the songs. <laughs> yes. I'll just play it on piano bunch or whatever I want to do. And, and that's how I keep up with it when it's on. It's really wonky breaks that we have no idea when they'll end. So. <sighs> yeah. Because it's on one of those right now. Yep. After- and we don't know. Yeah. No idea. Whatever. Maybe whatever. soon. See, yeah. Which is funny because like Steven Universe is like my one show that I allow myself to just theory craft up the wazoo i have a lot of theories yeah. <laughs> i know you do it's, 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 they're all it's, interesting i just can't do it myself it's funny because like different shows kind of like you engage with them in different ways right. mm-hmm. like there's some like I, I was watching uh lost and battlestar galactica at the same time i was obsessed with lost spoilers i read every single oh my spoiler. god julia me too oh. absolutely but i would not touch battlestar galactica spoilers with a 10-foot pole i avoided them like the plague I did not want to be spoiled. Yeah. And I was engaged I, in both these shows at the same time and just interacted with both, like, completely Did you do, um, did you do the numbers forum? It was, like, 48, 15, 16, 23, yeah. 42, com. Yeah, you did that? I did, uh, Dark UFO. Oh my god, yeah, me too! Yeah. <laughs> we probably were, like, arguing with each other. No, I didn't, I didn't argue with people. I just kind of oh, read, I, all, I read all the theories and all the questions and I argued. Yeah. Hey, actually, if you guys want to check out a way to stay interested in media without picking fights, you should look at what I do on my Legend of Korra blog because I would say I've been able to keep a very steady <laughs> engagement with it for three right. and a half years. Mm-hmm. There was the, like some ship war stuff towards the very, very beginning of like once the show went off the air, but that was for a specific reason. Right. But like, Especially now, because the comics are coming out. Oh, the Legend of Korra comics, uh, the first part is coming out in July. Yay! So that's, yeah, so that's something that will fill some time. It's the last week of July, I think, for uh, local comic book shops. And then I believe the first week of August for, uh, like, online and everywhere else books are sold. So definitely like something to model. check out. But, like, I, I mean, okay, I, I have been getting in the weeds. I think that's fair to say. But they're not, like, upsetting weeds. It's the weeds of, like, Asami's bangles and stuff like that. So you can just find... Yeah, ridiculous weeds. But, like, exactly. light-hearted ridiculous Light-hearted, weeds. absurd weeds. And there's always something there with that. So right. <laughs> I guess that's that's my suggestion. Just find the weird root and take that. Well, I mean, one of the other things that you can do, like, we've talked about a bunch of different things that we can do, talked about a bunch of different things that, like, we may or may not have time to do. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that you can do over the summer is, like, revisit an old favorite. I mean, Kylie, you brought this up when you said you reread A Song of Ice and Fire. But, oh like, my God. <laughs> you could also do, like, an old, old favorite. Like, like, like a childhood favorite, for like a example. a childhood favorite? <laughs> hey, that, that reminds me. So when are we going to start talking about books? <laughs> no, what, what uh, Gretchen was delicately transitioning us into was our our <laughs> second segment. Yes. <laughs> this is this is why we were like chickens without our heads when you were gone for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
keep us on task. No, we're going to be talking about... We were just so worried about those hippos. We really were. No, we're just going to be talking about our childhood faves. What kind of media did we engage with when we were younger? And what formed us into the geeks that we are today? Um, I actually wrote a piece, and I need to fix some images on this, but I hopefully will by this time, called A Definitive Ranking of the Years in My Nerdy Life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wrote it for my 27th birthday, so last year. Oh, you're old now, just like us. Yeah, no, 28 is so old. Where I definitively ranked, like, based on the things that came out, uh, what was my favorite year (laughs) for that? I think the year that... um, Fellowship of the Ring. It was the year I saw Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers came out. Uh, And that just like, that set off everything after I saw those two movies, like pretty much within a month of each other. That was it. I was just like, this is my, this is me. Fantasy nerd. Yep. This is me. Like, had you read the books? No. So, okay. So, uh, I saw my dad brought home Fellowship of the Ring on DVD and showed me and my mom that. And that was in September, and the uh, movies were coming out in Chris- around Christmas. Two Towers was coming out in Christmas, and I read the entire trilogy in between that two times. Okay, because I was just like, I need to know what happened. The movie ended, and we were both like, "That's it. <laughs> what, what happens next?" You know, it's a three-hour freaking movie, but yeah, those so were good. I. Those were some really formative books in my nerdy experience. I read them when I was eleven. Well, it actually really Multiple upset times. me because to have seen. The fellowship, and then go back and read, and you find out Frodo is like forty. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Like, what the hell is this? But then you know it was awesome, and the way Tolkien writes is very, Tolkien. you know, tortured, <laughs> tortured. But it's also lyrical, and like you're getting a lot out of it without realizing that you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Tolkien was obsessed with the sounds of words yep. more than the yes. meanings. I mean, he the was famous Celador thing. He was a philologist in Celador. So yeah, yeah. Phonologists are weird fucking people. Philologists. Well, phonologists are even weirder. Yep. (laughs) What is that field of study? Philology? (laughs) Um, I mean, it's... Philology... Yeah, it's about, like... Languages. It's like... It's like historical linguistics, but, like, the precursor of that. Okay. It's not something you would really study these days. Yeah, you would study historical linguistics. Okay. So... I I don't know these things you guys do. (laughs) But yeah, those those books, like, I read were, like, really were probably my first big, like, I'm a huge nerd experience. Because I immediately was like, I didn't, I read The Hobbit, I didn't like it as much, but, like, I read The Silmarillion when I was, like, 11 or 12. I still Mm -hmm. haven't read The Silmarillion. Oh, it's awesome. It's great. Seems like fucking (laughs) It's definitely weird. It's also great. (laughs) Um, what else? Chronicles of Perdane? Have either of you heard of those? Oh, I have to read that. Oh my I gosh, said it's... I would after I did the Black Cauldron thing. I still haven't done it. Those books are so good. <laughs> so good. I like Welsh things. I should yes. do it. Yes. It took me, I will tell you, it took me until probably maybe five or six years ago to realize how to pronounce one of like the names that was in there. Well, it's Welsh orthography. Yeah. Welsh. Like I didn't know how to pronounce Llewellyn because it looks weird. It? It's Llewellyn. Yeah, but how do you pronounce it? Um, Lualin? I mean, I was one of those people who, when I started reading Harry Potter, was Hermione, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when when you've never, like, heard a word, you've just read it, like, it makes sense. You obviously weren't into Shakespeare when you were in, like, grade eight. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, not not at all. Um, I guess if if we're talking about books, what are we going to start talking about books? Sorry. Um, (laughs) Like, I was... 
from a very very young age i would read greek myths over and over yes. like, i was obsessed with it i yeah. couldn't get my hands on enough greek mythology stuff there was this one really good picture book that my uh, elementary school library had that i'd check out like every single chance i had and was it do layers i don't was it yellow know. it was yeah it's do layers yeah that was so good i have that book but like i grew oh up God. reading that greek mythology book and then um recently we discovered it on Amazon and bought myself a copy because like those images are just like emblazoned like onto yeah. my mind. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yep. Um and that was definitely yeah, I guess that was another thing that was like that pretty like nerdy in general. I know that a lot of people have that shared experience. Um and for a while I actually thought maybe this could be my religion cuz Everyone else had one around me except me. So I was like, (laughs) let me look into this. And you look into it and it's like, you know, sacrifice 25 goats and have this feast every day. I'm like, oh, okay, no, (laughs) nope. You probably hadn't heard of bacchanalianism at that point either. (laughs) No, no, I had not. (laughs) Um, The Greek mystery religions. And then there's the whole thing, like, I didn't actually believe the sun was a dude in a chariot. Like, you know. (laughs) I don't think the Greeks did either. Yeah, so there's just like that aspect. You gotta learn, read some Karen Armstrong and about the difference between Mythos and Mythos. Yes. Yeah, although, t- <laughs> oddly, I didn't watch Hercules when it came out. Like, no. I just skipped the that TV one. Show? I don't know what. No, the movie, the Disney movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mom was just like, eh, I guess we're not Hercules, taking you to this Hercules. one. Yeah. yeah, but that was, that was one of the big ones. I don't know, Julia, what kind of books formed you? Um, when I was like, little i was obsessed with either like really like musicals but like yes. i would just like know them by heart mm. yep. and i was obsessed with world war Two. i was really into reading about the french resistance what as a kid yeah i mean that's awesome but as yeah. a kid uh-huh and i was like into i was like into Star Wars, like, right before it was cool again. Oh my I know God. that makes me sound like a hipster, but, like, before the special edition came out, <laughs> I was really into complete. Star Wars. And then the special edition came out, and everyone was into Star Wars, so I started hating Star Wars for a little bit. <laughs> right. I was one of the kids who got into it because of the special edition. Yeah, I hated you. <sighs> Sorry. Look how far you've come. See it. Right. <laughs> I know, now we get along, sort of. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Star Trek. That was one of my TV shows. I didn't watch a lot of TV or a lot of movies because my parents were pretty conservative. Um, but I was allowed to watch Star Trek and that was one of my nerd shows. No, I did watch a lot of TV, but it was TV that my parents wanted to watch. So it was like Seinfeld, which is, (laughs) you know, not really what you should be watching as a seven year old. Probably not. But I, I did and it helped raise me basically. And then, like, the movies would be whatever my parents felt like watching, too. Like, Midnight Run or My Cousin Vinny. Like... My Cousin Vinny! I know! But, yeah, not... If, you, if you're if you gonna be a parent, maybe just think about not showing that to your kids for a little bit. Yeah, I was just actually thinking, um, I should watch Back to the Future with my son this summer. Oh, that's a good oh, idea. That's a really yeah. good one. My sister and I, we used to, like, marathon Back to the Future, all three parts. And we would like order a pizza. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. That that was fun. Julie, what kind of musicals you mentioned? That what what musicals did you memorize? The one that I remember, I remember first being really into was Phantom of the Opera. Yes. I did mm-hmm. not understand it at all at the time. Nope. I like I'm a grown up. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> yeah, no, just like what did I see in like fucking Phantom of the Opera? Really? Yeah. But 
Uh, after that, um, I was obsessed with Joseph the Basic Jet Color Dreamcoat. I can mm-hmm. still do the song with the colors all the way through. Yeah. Um, okay. And I was into Lamez for a while. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was really like into three. cats. I feel. Oh, I, I feel. Into cats. I feel like like kind of dirty admitting that. Well, the <laughs> the songs are fine. There's just no plot. Like, right. It's, it's fine. I mean, it's based off of a book of poems. So yeah, yeah no. And plot. it feels like a book of po- poems. But there's some really cool. I mean, look, I will shit but on Angela Weather. I, was, Weather. I but, wish I was into Jesus Christ Superstar as a kid because that musical is awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's like I shit gospel. on Andrew Lloyd Webber a lot, but his stuff is fun to play on piano. Like I, I have, I'll do that. Yes, and it's very catchy, very easy to sing and learn, and all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, if I could, like you know, like be like an actor and like be able to do that kind of shit, my ideal role would be Judas in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, interesting. That is the role I would most like to play. Really, I can totally do the falsetto. Jesus. <laughs> Started to believe the things they made. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! No, see, like, I mean, we we listen to a lot of musicals. We watch a lot of musicals. It's actually funny because my uh, my niece is now getting really into this stuff, and and she'll go through like phases where she'll listen to nothing but My Fair Lady for like two or three or four oh. months because she, she she likes loops and stuff. And right now she's really into Oliver, which is um, you know. For all the musicals for a little kid to be in, she's four. <laughs> it's it's wow. not very lighthearted. No. And her absolute favorite song is Boy, One Boy for Sale. And like, <laughs> she will sing this over and over what? again. I'm like, this is dark. <laughs> but she really likes it. There's no denying it. And um, apparently she's never gotten to the second act yet. She's only watched the oh. first one. Oh, my God. Because every time my brother, like, tries to go on to the second act, she's like, no, again. She's like, okay. Wow. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was raised on musicals like Oklahoma, Calamity mm-hmm. Jane. Oh, the wholesome ones. Yes. I told you my parents are very conservative. And that, like, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which, like, I look back on as an adult. Is the least wholesome thing ever? Right? (laughs) Why was I allowed to watch that? It's terrible. Oklahoma modernized musical theater to be what it is. It's true. Like, that was the first time that songs were integrated into the plot. I didn't realize that. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. My high school did it. Um, and... What? Yeah. How is that appropriate? It's like, it's like, I don't understand <laughs> why, like, Noah's Ark is this, like, Bible story that is, like, for little kids and, like, it's all yeah. these, like, little kid toys. Terrible. Like, let's talk about the time that God literally killed every single child on the earth. Yeah. That's... For kids! Um, <laughs> but, like, the film adaptation of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, like, it's got its issues. But then, uh-huh. like... I was exposed to, like, the actual, like, original libretto, and there is a mm-hmm. song in that that is not in the film. They change it because... Oh, no. Is it about the fact that this is all about rape? Well, like, it's a song... So, the song in the film is the, um, where, like, all the men are sitting out in the woods and they're like, I'm a lonesome hound dog, whatever, uh-huh. Bane at the Moon, which is actually, like, a pretty sounding song about how yeah. they're lonely and whatever. So, in the actual libretto, the song... Is all of them singing about what they're imagining the women are doing at that point? And one of the lines oh is like, I bet my Martha's in the tub soaping herself down. And when I was exposed to this in high school, I was like, the fuck though? That's, <laughs> um, what? Why are we singing this? Why is this okay? And like, That's at that point, amazing. I was not like, this is like, 
17-year-old me who is not a feminist yet, and I was made uncomfortable by that. Like, why is this young man thinking about her in the bathtub? That's gross. Uh, um, And now I'm just like, okay, why would anyone make this home musical at all? Why? Why? It's bad. Yeah, because it's all about kidnapping women to make their wives. Yeah. Yay. That's pretty ambitious for your high school, though. Yeah, I don't know why we did it. It was, it ended up being bad. My sister's first grade class, first grade, did Into the Woods. What? Did they just like, do the first act, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, how do you even attempt that? Like, first grade, you're doing this stuff? Like, agony. Imagine yeah. getting first grade, little first grade boys to sing agony. <laughs> or just, like, even, you know, even just the, uh, which is rap at the beginning of it. Like, there's yeah. not going to be a first grader that's going to be able to do this. No. That, that's my sister, ambitious. My sister played a tree, so it was fine. Mm, that's true. What? Rutabaga. It's in the rutabaga. rap. The witch's rap. Yeah, rooting through the rutabaga, raiding my arugula, and ripping up the rapion, the champion, my favorite. It should have put a spell on him right there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I can do all but, the colors from Joseph and Maisie. We're just talking about musicals now. Is this what our childhood faves were? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I'm happy I think to always talk about musicals. it was a thing, though. Was it? Like, I know a lot of people who are our age who are, like, really into musicals as children. Well, there were some, like, musical movies, too. Like, Sound of Music, uh, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, Mary Poppins was huge. Yeah. Um, My Fair Lady, I think it to was an a, extent. Yeah, I just think it was, like, <gasps> a thing in the media that was made. Bed knobs and broomsticks. <gasps> yes. That was mm. good. I remember. That was good. <laughs> we, could, we, could do, we could do a segment on that later. And it was like, and like that's, that's the craziest movie. Like, at like, the end, where like the Nazis come, and there's like all these suits of armor fighting the Nazis. <laughs> Remember that? Oh my gosh! No, but I need to rewatch this. Apparently, I feel like <laughs> it's relevant. It, there's there's a lot of movies with Nazis coming at the end, like Sound of Music. <laughs> yeah. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Do you guys it remember that? What? That has not seen. No, but like I No (laughs) No, but like it was a musical movie that I grew up with. No, you're right. You know, there were God, there were a lot of musical movies. And you know what? It wasn't like musicals that are adapted to movies these days where they they warped and weird in some ways. Like it honestly just was like, oh, here's a slightly more high production stage taping is is how musical movies sort of felt. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when you think about Sound of Music, like that's almost identical to the to the stage production. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they basically were just yeah upscaled in terms of like you could yeah. do more like with the like visual effects. Yeah, I want yeah. more of that. <laughs> Remember their like ginormous wedding? Yes, they had a ginormous wedding. In Sound well, of Music. He did, he did all right for himself, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, he didn't seem to have many friends. I guess, like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, who went to this wedding? Well, he has, like, a million kids, so <laughs> they were all there. And he's a baron, so probably other, no- like, members of the aristocracy, I guess. Anyway. Honestly, the worst part of Sound of Music now is going back and rewatching it, and you kind of think Christopher Plummer is about to attack at any minute. <laughs> He has this quiet intensity that he plays the role with. And, like, before it seemed sort of romantic when you'd, like, not really think about it, but now it's like, oh my god, Maria, hide! <laughs> He's coming! And he might be attracted to Liesel. Yeah, like, apparently they were something's going on with... Is that a thing? Yes. Let me make that up. Something was going on during Edelweiss that I don't know about. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. She was like 21 She's... or 22, so it was fine, yeah, but... Yeah, she singing like... And you realize how creepy that song with Liesl's song is with her Nazi boyfriend <laughs> as an adult. You're like, wow, that, okay. <laughs> wow, yeah. Like, good oh, thing that he's a Nazi or I'd really be concerned about the this relationship. <laughs> but like, being a Nazi kind of like, you know, puts color on it. Yeah. You're like, I, this doesn't even have to be healthy, it's already bad, because he's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're th- we'll, we'll close out the segment and jump into our fun one. But were there any any last really formative pieces of media that weren't musical related? To you guys? Um, there was this. It was a novel. It was called Sophie's World. It was about like the history of philosophy. I mean, it was all like weirdly meta. Why did you have such weird tastes as a kid? Like. <laughs> I don't know. You're reading but- about this? You're reading about the French Resistance? What is <laughs> happening? No, it was like, um, like, this guy, it was like this, like, philosophy professor who was writing a novel for his daughter to teach her about philosophy, but, like, it was also about, like, the character in the novel, and then the character in the novel escapes from the book, because it's meta, but there's this whole thing where, like, the father is sending notes to his daughter, like, in the novel, but there's, like, all these, like, lectures about philosophy, like, in it, because there's this, like, fictional, fictional guy who's teaching Sophie about philosophy, but then there's, like, Hilda, who's, like, the daughter, so there's, like, a book within a book. It's cool. It's called that Sophie's Rest. Cool. It's Norwegian. That does sound really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, the only other thing that I can think of for me was, like, Wishbone. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, my... No, but, like, when you actually get to reading some of the books that Wishbone recommends to you, you're just, like, okay, this compressed version <laughs> of the plot is a little unsatisfied now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that... the episode on Pride and Prejudice. It was just mm-hmm. like, no. Look, Wishman did what he, Wishman did what he could, okay? Yeah, and then like we also I don't know if you guys are familiar with um I think they were called the Classics Illustrated. They were basically like graphic novels of classic literature. That No, that would have been really appealing though. Yeah. I known about that. Like I have not read Great Expectations, but I have read the graphic novel version of Great Expectations. <laughs> Because oh, I there this. was one. Oh, I kind of want these now because there's a lot of books on my and my list that I know I'm not going to get to otherwise. You can find them on eBay, actually. I'm, no, I'm seriously going to start looking. Um, <laughs> but there was a whole la- like a whole series of them, like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, Don Quixote. Um, oh my god, I need to seriously check these. Out. Yeah, liter- it was just like a series of graphic novels. That's amazing. No, yeah. I'm going to find them. I'm gonna buy them up. The uh the only other thing I was thinking of for me that was super formative were the James Bond movies. We just oh, yes, watch them all the time. I don't understand why I was allowed to watch them. They're terrible. Like, yeah, so they're many freaking ways. horrible. Actually, uh Roger Moore died. We forgot to mention that as fandom mm. news. Uh so I wrote a I'll, I wrote a piece on it I can link. But um yeah, no, James Bond, I wanted to be James Bond. I would run around my house with a water gun on my pants. Uh I used to do that pretending to be in the French resistance. <laughs> Like seriously, that I really wanted to be Luke Skywalker. So yeah, so we are all pretty normal. Yeah, this is all perfectly normal. Oh yeah, Mm. we're just totally normal kids. And on that, we transition into our final segment. Boy, you're such a baby. I'm sixteen. What's such a baby about that? Speaking of normal, it's perfectly normal to have like elaborate headcanons about authors, right? That's normal. Yeah, totally. Totally normal. Yeah. And content creators in general, of course. Yeah. Because I have a headcanon, for instance, for Brian uh, Kroniatsko and Michael Dante DiMartino for Legend of Korra and Avatar, that when they created Prince Wu, 
that was supposed to be Brian and <laughs> Mako was supposed to be Mike and it was supposed to be their dynamic. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so are you saying they're secretly in love with each other? No, I don't think they intended Wuko, but I love that that's a thing <laughs> because it's like, see, you guys are perfect. I love Wuko so much. <laughs> and like, Mako's totally checking out his butt, so totally. it's not even disguised. I'm sorry, what were you saying, Julia, about creator headcounts? We <laughs> <laughs> just got into the weeds. <laughs> no, it's just because um, this is kind of like acute uh, for us when we talk about George R. R. Martin, and especially mm. when we talk about George R. R. Martin and game of thrones mm-hmm. like it it really disturbs me like on a deep level that george R. R. martin wrote the line in the rose which is the episode of game of thrones that is oh, where joffrey dies basically it's it's the purple wedding episode and yeah. it kind of feels like a sitcom mm. i mean like like either either it's like one just one of those like you know every author just has like weird pieces and just you gotta accept it or he was completely going with like he was their very specific instructions on what to write and he just uh, wrote it uh, or it's like like 50 minutes of him just like throwing shade <laughs> it's one of those i i really do feel like it's that last one though i really do yeah no, but it's like, like i have 10,000 brothers and sisters <laughs> like how am i supposed to take this seriously yeah Oh, and God. that whole thing about like Marjorie giving all the scraps to the poor, which is like the entire point of having a feast. Why would you make a point of like mentioning that? And then Cersei like says like give it to the dogs instead. What the fuck was that? Like, it's very hard to tell what goes on in the writers' room. I'll uh, admit, I'm a, I was a little disturbed. By that, but... uh, and like every so- time, every time he mentions something about Game of Thrones, we somehow talk ourselves into thinking. That he's tossing shade. Hey, what, what, and what? And it could be entirely in our heads. Why I mean, are we even talking about this? What precipitated this conversation oh, of ours? Gretchen. Because let's back up. I found a newspaper at her comic book store. Yeah, it was Gretchen. <laughs> so Gretchen, tell us what's going on here. Because Joy is in the weeds. She's so far in the weeds, we can't find her. Um, <laughs> so I went to pick up the Batwoman comic and from yes. my local comic book shop. And they handed out their comic book shop news. And their main, they, there's always like a main spread, like highlighting something new. And this one was highlighting the fact that um, the Clash of Kings comic is going to be starting up June 7th. Like, the Clash of Kings number one is coming out June 7th. So I have not read the Game of Thrones graphic novel or comic version. Um, but I, heard it's I was decent. Yeah, that's what yeah, I think. Um, the Hedge Knight ones are decent. Yeah, I see, and I've seen some really beautiful art from the Hedge Knight ones. I have seen less. Oh yeah, I have those. Those are yeah, really the, good. like the Battle of Red Grass Field. Red Grass Field spreads are really nice. Yeah, yeah. So I decided I wanted to read the um, the big interview that they had in here with it's the writer of the Clash of Kings mm-hmm. um, comic, and um, I was reading it and realizing that it felt like he was totally throwing shade. So, like for example, I will read you some of these these quotes from um, the author whose yeah whose name is Landry Walker that's another um, comic book name yeah it is Landry <laughs> I haven't really I don't I mean Landry is just yeah a name anyway says um, as a longtime fan of the books I'm very excited to have the opportunity to get to play a bit in the world of a song of ice and fire 
Taking something I have enjoyed so immensely and tackling the challenge of adapting that into the beautiful and complex language of sequential art is a dream job. For readers, I believe this comic will create an opportunity to see a clash of kings retold in a manner that adheres to the original visions of George R. R. Martin while exploring what his story looks like through his eyes. We're working hard to create a faithful visual adaptation of the novel that uses the strength of the medium of comics to its fullest capacity, and I cannot wait for readers to see what we have done. It's hard to not read that as shade. Right? Because... Is it, though? Like, faithful visual adaptation... Just, like, it feels like he's throwing shade. Yeah, and I mean, season two did all right with... Well, compared to season six, you know? (laughs) Okay, I mean, like, let's not go with that bar, but... (laughs) But the thing is, is, like, I'm not... Like, to me, like, if he's throwing shade, I'm not sure he's referencing specifically season two. I think he's just referencing the show as a whole. Yeah. Like... He could be. Um, because he says that, like, his adaptation is going to be as close to the novel as mechanics of as comics mechanics allow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, there are certainly a few considerations you have to take when shifting from one medium to another. But these are matters of practicality rather than artistic reinterpretation. Like, that, it, that sounds on. like shade. <laughs> That's shade. That has to be. <laughs> How do you... Are we... Ch- I mean, like, I want it to be, but I don't, like, confirmation bias is one of the most powerful things that the human mind is capable of. I know, I know, and it flips me out, like, maybe we're super wrong about Game of Thrones, and it's great. Yeah. Because he, like, he also (laughs) talks about how, like, he was asked, uh, this one's my favorite, um... So, obviously, HBO has gone into their own, gone in their own direction with their adaptation of the novels. Will the comics adaptation be influenced at all by the tone of the HBO series? That's a question by the interviewer. Here is Landry Walker's response. No, we're definitely using the original books as our sole source of inspiration. I imagine if I was coming to the table having experienced the show before the books, I might have more difficulty separating them. But in the end, everything we're doing with this adaptation should be in service of accuracy to the source material. Like, again. Okay, okay, no, this is a book snob. I'm sorry, I don't care. This is a book snob. <laughs> yeah, he's a book an, snob. He t- this like, is an unabashed book snob. To me, he's totally throwing shade. Come on, Julia, give this one to us. I really want to. I tell you, I really want to. I just also, like, you know, don't want to end up with egg on my face. Totally. Yeah, I get it. But, like, throwing shade is one of my favorite, like, creator headcanons. Like, yeah. When I when I yeah. think that they're throwing shade, maybe they're not, but I enjoy thinking well, of them as throwing shade. <laughs> it's rough because like Martin has thrown shade before on his blog on his live journal. Like we've he seen- has. Yes, remember that whole thing? Like somebody left a comment that was just like, "I can't wait to see the show version of Tristine Martell," and he was like, "Anyway, uh, oh, okay." okay. <laughs> <laughs> or like, the- <laughs> like, I don't really have a version of Tristine Martell. He's never actually on the page, but whatever. <laughs> oh, my Tristine Martell just got up and stretched. Yeah. Aww. Um the butterflies <laughs> to dragons comment. Yeah. yeah, and then like he he often often says the show is the show, the books are the books and he's very like clear about that and he's also said things like you should check out these books by this talented person um of course or or like check out this adaptation or whatever and he'll be like of course the books are better parentheses they always are. Like <laughs> he's he's done shit like that before which is like you know right. could be good humor jest but then like when they you know rape Sansa he also has to go write these blog posts like mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, there's a butterfly effect where there's changes, and sometimes these butterflies can grow into dragons, and the wings beat, and they cause a lot of difference. And you're like, what and the fuck? Are you- there's definitely, like, the way that he talked about the show in season one and season two, he was, like, you know, excited. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, the show, like, I'm so excited about this. And now he's just like, oh, the show is great. D&D are great. Oh, look, the show's coming out. I guess I have to post about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had a quote when yeah. it was announced that, like, there's going to be prequels or whatever in the works. Like, HBO is basically just looking to keep Martin's intellectual property going mm-hmm. as long as they can. Um, Which and makes he was saying, point of view. and there's a quote by him that says something to the effect of, it will be very hard for anyone to top D&D for, yeah. like, what their amazing, the amazing show they've created or whatever. Um, so, like, he does say nice things. Yeah. So, but, like, I I can feel my brain wanting to ignore that and exactly. just focus on the That's, salt, which is terrible. That is, is confirmation terrible. bias. Yep. Exactly. I mean, we could also just view it as, like, Martin is a cynical businessman who likes making money. Yeah. I don't, like, at some point, like, once you make a certain amount of money, like, you know, like... I mean, or, like, has... I mean, for a corollary, has J.K. Rowling ever said anything negative about the films based off of her books? No, but huh. she was very heavily involved in that whole process. And But there was a couple things, like, she said that, like, you know, I had to remind them to, like, not cut Creature because he's going to be important. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just saying, well, like, I'm just saying, like, well, she was... yeah, my question always when, like, um, you have an adaptation and you have, like, the, the author of the original work who's involved, even even if not consistently involved, but at least partially involved in the making of an adaptation, is, like, how much um contractual obligation is there like are they allowed to say anything negative about an adaptation is it in their contract that like they're not allowed to like decry any changes made like i just don't know because like i'm not a creator and i've never so i've never obviously never had anything i've made adapted so but like i always wonder like how free like original content creators are to like say anything negative about adaptations made of their work and I'm sure it depends. This. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. There's not a ton of money to be made in disliking Game of Thrones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. I know. I'll tell you that much. But um, yeah, no, I've often wondered about that, especially if my, it could even just be a case of Martin doesn't want to burn bridges at HBO. Right. Like, who knows? Um, I. He doesn't sound glowing when he's had to answer for things. He really doesn't, though. Like, I understand what you're saying about confirmation bias, Julia, but it's like... It's very hard to discount some of the swipes. It really mm-hmm. is. Because you kind of, you expect the positivity, right? Like, it's an adaptation of his work. Of course you'd expect him to be positive about it. Right. But, right. I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do, you do about uh, when you feel your creator headcanon's getting the better of you? Um, I don't know. I just try to talk my way out of it with logic, which totally always works in all aspects of my life. <laughs> you know, you know. Always. Always, always, always. Although, you know, I see this happening too with actors on the show also. Yeah. We're like, we're like Alexander Siddig will give that one interview and you'll be like, oh my god, he's a book snob, this is great. <laughs> we're, only, we're definitely right about Jennifer Eel though. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> book snob Jennifer Eel. You, you, you know this headcanon, right? Uh, gotcha. I do not. Tell me about this. Oh, okay. So Jennifer Eel was supposed to play uh, Kat Stark in, or Kat, she was Kat in Lynn Tully. She was in the pilot. That was the role she was slated to be oh. in. And uh, the pilot was a hot fucking mess. Apparently. Um, although one thing in was Kat demanded that Ned goes down to King's Landing in like, the pilot. In the books, yeah. <laughs> just like in the books. So are 
then she magically dropped out and could no longer be, you know, Cat Tully, uh, because she said that she, she wanted to spend more time with her kid, with her baby, her new baby. Like, right. oh, okay, Jennifer Eel, we're on to you. Um, <laughs> and she was she's replaced with Michelle Fairley, who did a wonderful job with the material she was given, and you know, worked well. Uh, even though they really screwed Cat over, but our theory is that she's a book snob. It was book snob Jennifer Eel, and she saw this and she's like, I'm out of here because there's this story that she was reading the books and she like was in labor and she finished one of the books and she handed it to her midwife and then she went right into the next one. Oh my gosh. And then when she came back for like her whatever checkup, uh the 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 midwife was on like book two or book three. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so book snob Jennifer Eel, that's totally one hundred percent why she's not involved with Game of Thrones because she saw these two and they're she's like, uh uh-uh, uh. This is not gonna work for me. Also, she would have been a perfect cat. She yeah, would have been. She would have been great. Yeah. Mm. So. So, yeah, I guess logic your way out of it or just at least be aware of the confirmation bias aspect, right? Mm-hmm. But we are, we are guilty of this. We are. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Yeah, even just going back to what we were talking about, like, why we, like, Allie Adler not being listed on the thing. Like, we have headcanons. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have headcanons. Oh, yeah. Like, Kylie and I, Julia, probably you don't have headcanons about this particular situation, but, like, Kylie and I do. Because I never really got into Supergirl. I tried. That's fair. You gave it a college try. Yeah. And that's fair, and we're not going to foist it on you unless, unless next season is truly, like, a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. With a rebirth and yeah, I can't get there. But yes. <laughs> I was just, trying. Just I was just trying. read Kylie's post that she made. Oh my god. I'll link I'll link it just because it's silly. But it's very it's, fair. it's yeah. got a lot of wordplay. If you're a Legend of Korra ba- fan, it's got a lot of great wordplay. Basically I've tried to hint that uh Supergirl season three could be just like Legend of Korra book three and actually be good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, I think that's our show for you. Uh, if you feel yourself, actually, just let us know. Do you have any creator headcanons? Because I'm curious to know if, yes. first of all, we're the only ones who do this or what you guys have come up with. Because that sounds really fun to me. Secondly, if you like us blathering about musicals and creator headcanons <laughs> and the summer, then you should do one of three things. Like us. Uh, like like this podcast, or I think it's a rate is is the technical. It's like a five star rating. Number two is leave us a review either through iTunes. That's usually the easiest. Or if you have a podcast app, I think there's an option. If you're an Android user, I'm sorry, I have no idea. And number three is recommend us to a friend because you'll be like, hey, these ladies make my commute hunky dory, and. <laughs> It would be great if you listened to them. Uh, also, be sure to be visiting our website, The Fandamentals. We have all the podcasts for you there. There's Unabashed Book Snobbery, which Julie and I have mentioned. That yeah. is Game of Thrones and the Song of Ice and Fire specific. There is Ladies First, the Femme Slash podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's also Cinematic Release, a movies podcast. So check those out if that's of interest to you. And check out what, oh, what was the other thing? Oh, the store. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I decided, like, a good amount of this. I should know that. But we've got um really nice products in our store. I'm probably going to be trying to get some, like, summery products out, like tank tops and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for everyone. But, yeah, we work hard on it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a... There's a Batwoman mug that I've been meaning to buy myself that says, uh, Oy Vey Smear. So, like, 
it's got it's got her fail count from Griffin's reviews, so it's it's a good time. Uh, check some of those out. I actually think I want to get myself a tank top version of the I only ship 100% organic ships. I need that shirt so yeah, badly. If you make I a ta- like, you need to make a tank top because yeah, yeah I want it. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll get that set. That's up. one of my favorite designs that we've ever come up with. Yeah, oh, so, so, so check, check it out. Um, if you, if you go to thefandomentals.com, you'll see a uh, uh, I think it says merch. Yeah, and you can click on it, browse it. We've got lots of products, and I believe the price that you see is including shipping. It does. I'm pretty sure that's the case, which is very very nice. So, yeah, check it out, and thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. I have to finish your sister's baby blanket, Kylie. What? Yeah, it snuck up on me. It's already June. I still haven't finished this blanket. Well, it's so. coming. It's coming a month. Exactly. So remind me. Remind okay. me to finish that blanket. All right. Right. All right. She just changed the baby's name again, so we'll see what the baby's oh, name is. Oh, is it still oh a gosh. season? Uh, no, it's not a season. Uh, okay. it, was a se- it was like winter at one point, even though it's just going to be born in July. Yeah. And I was like, that doesn't Well, matter. now it's going to be a month, but that month is not going to be July, so... <laughs> friend we need to talk <laughs> I love my sister so yep I call her friend <laughs> alright so back to like nerdy things we're doing this summer crocheting is pretty nerdy yeah I was gonna say needlework for my sister's baby is pretty nerdy that is pretty nerdy um, I have some crochet projects as well that are very nerdy but I'm not going to mention them because I want them to be surprises for certain people All right. Well, look at you.